today on CityCast Salt Lake. Happy Friday, y'all. Salt Lake Tribune jazz beat reporter Andy Larson is here to help me make sense of the sports news you might have missed this week in our city. We're covering a lot in the next 20 minutes, so buckle in. It's Friday, June 24th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Andy Larson, welcome to CityCast Salt Lake. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. This is fun. I'm excited to round up the week's sports news with you. I, of course, being like on the on the the ranking on the spectrum of sports enthusiasm. My enthusiasm's high, my knowledge is low. I feel like your knowledge and enthusiasm are high. So together <laughs> we can get we can get there. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Let's start with the jazz because I I will say, like, I think the jazz team is kind of a shadow real housewives of salt lake franchise like there is just so much happening over there that is intriguing to me but first i have to ask you about the uniforms obviously they came out with this new rebrand which is purple black white and yellow which are obviously colors that go well together (laughs) not just yellow like full highlighter yellow oh highlighter yellow yeah not like you know and i think there would have been like kind of a justification for going kind of utah beehive yellow Mm. but they went they went highlighter yellow. They went like, yeah, half green yellow. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, so, but anyway, I, you know, I, I think it's, I, I'm, as I think about it, like when I go out of state or I go overseas or whatever, there are like three things that people know Utah for, right? It's like the Mormon church, the LDS church, skiing and like, do you ski the mountains, et cetera. And it's the Utah jazz and Stockton and Malone and like that. Yeah. And and so that like the jazz have kind of chosen to rebrand in this way, I think actually kind of does have like a big impact on even non jazz fans. Like this is to some extent, like kind of how people see Utah from from kind of an outsider's point of view. So, yeah, um, yeah, these these anyway, these new jerseys are um, they're wildly different than anything the organization's ever done before. Anything any other NBA team has done before, like the numbers are huge. They're bright. Uh, they're basic is all get out you know i minimalist is one word but i you know it's weirdly minimalist in that they're very shiny and and i I wrote garish you know like it's they're they're out there for sure right and one of the things you've also pointed out is that they feel just like a little maybe directionless like they say very little yeah you know uh, you know because you are kind of representing uh an area to people from kind of the outside world like, that's kind of what one thing that's good about the Purple Mountain jersey is, yeah, hey, this is Utah's mountains and this is one thing about us. Or uh, the Gradient uh, City jersey, the kind of red to orange jerseys that they wore the last couple of years, like, that's Southern Utah, that's the Red Rocks, that's right. Arches, you know? Yeah. Saying Utah in, you know, 35 point font uh, <laughs> a- Arial doesn't yes. say anything. I was going right? to guess like, Helvetica, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> something sans serif for sure. Yeah. Like, it's just, it, you know, it, it's just blah. I don't yeah. know. That uh, That's my opinion. And, you know, there are people who like it. But I will say that I think from the majority and maybe even the vast majority of jazz fans, they don't like this rebrand. And, you know, I think that's something the team realized, too, with kind of how they rolled it out, highlighting one of the four jerseys, the purple jerseys, and kind of letting the yellow, green, black and white stuff off to off to the side a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. It's like the equivalent of running a story on Friday afternoon. It's like you kind of want to bury it, right? I mean, they, they kind of <laughs> did, right? Like they released it on uh, admittedly Friday at 11 a.m. So, you know, 1 a.m., 1 p.m. Eastern time. But yeah, Friday morning, let's say. Yeah. But before a holiday weekend, like, and, and usually when NBA teams have these rebrands, they do like big rebrand events at, you know, the arena or a local mall, you know. And actually, that's something I've heard is that the Jazz were originally going to have a big rebrand event at City Creek. and kind of oh, blow this out and they chose not to because the early feedback to some of the leak jerseys was was so negative yeah it is interesting because like the jazz owner ryan smith one of the things that's made him such an interesting figure in utah culture is he isn't afraid to have an opinion like he's been really outspoken and so it's like i don't know I kind of hoped he would maybe like put the Great Salt Lake on the jerseys. Like, yeah. <laughs> give us like, you know, like kind of lean into whatever is the like touchstone of the moment. But yeah, you're right. It's just. And he is so pro Utah. Like he wants to know that he wants everyone in the world to know how great Utah is. And he's like incredibly excited for the uh, Salt Lake City All-Star game coming up in 2023 as like a way to invite the world into Utah in kind of an Olympics kind of way. Um but yeah, when you when you kind of release these bland and and again very minimalist jerseys that don't say anything, you're you're kind of losing a chance to make a statement and and to tell a story. And there's just kind of no story with these jerseys. Okay, let's talk about the team itself because Coach Quinn Snyder is out. A new coach is on route. We don't know when, right? So like, who is? I mean, the draft. We're recording this Thursday. The draft has begun. Who's making decisions? Like, who is leading the team right now through this? Yeah, I mean, it is Ryan Smith at the top, and then he's hired Danny Ainge, uh, former BYU basketball player, former GM of the Celtics, to be the team's CEO. Uh, and then you've got Justin Zanuck, who's the team's general manager, and he was kind of the assistant general manager for a lot of, uh, for the last eight years under old general manager Dennis Lindsay, who got fired. Um, but so he kind of worked his way up that way. Um, so you kind of have this like motley crew of, uh, 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 you know, and, and this is kind of how NBA front offices work anyway. So like a, a bunch of different decision makers kind of trying to come to ideally collaborative decisions. But, you know, obviously there's going to be disagreement. Right. Um, so it's, you know, and, and one of the, their first big decision is is obviously who the next head coach is now that Quinn Snyder's uh, stepped out. So. I, I, you know, they're going through like this very big interview process. They've interviewed something on the order of 15 candidates. Uh, they're kind of in second interviews right now with their, their top choices. And honestly, they're giving second interviews to most of those candidates. Um, and so, you know, this, they really kind of said, Hey, that we kind of anticipate this to be a six week process. And I think we're in week three right now. So that's kind of where that is. First of all, no hiring decision ever has been a six-week process <laughs> like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's in any field but yeah I mean the question I think on everyone's mind is are they gonna trade Rudy Gobert like or Donovan Mitchell right like they're trying to they are calling every other NBA team out there and trying to trade Rudy Gobert um but they want something else good back and and they want something they, they don't want to just tank and get worse and, you know, collect draft picks and, and try to rebuild again. They want to retool rather than they know that this kind of Donovan and Rudy core is problematic because they fight all the time and maybe it doesn't work that well in the playoffs and whatever else. But um, 
So they're trying to trade Rudy um, because they've kind of chosen Donovan as the younger, um, more marketable one and is, you know, it maybe has more room to grow, has a cheaper contract and stuff. Wait, Donovan Mitchell has a cheaper contract than Rudy Gobert? Yeah, so Donovan makes a, a, a basically 25% of the NBA salary cap and Rudy makes 30% of the NBA salary cap. So, like, Rudy makes, like, 6 or $7 million more. Um, huh. And that's because, like, the NBA's rules essentially say the longer you've been in the league, the more money you can make on a maximum contract. Which okay. It's weird that there are multiple sizes of maximum contracts, but there are. Uh, and so, yeah, so Rudy makes, like, yeah, significantly more than Donovan Mitchell does. Okay. That's interesting to me. I would not guess that because like as as again, like as somewhat of an outsider to the jazz, I feel like Donovan Mitchell feels like a hometown hero. Like he feels like a superstar to me. Like I know who he is. He is the bigger star for sure. And, you know, if you added in uh, kind of endorsements and marketing opportunities and all that. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell is making way more like coming into his bank account because he's got this multimillion dollar Adidas deal. You know, he's doing more television commercials than than Rudy Gobert is certainly, you know, so on and so forth. So, like, yeah, I mean, in if you kind of add up all their sources of income, then, yeah, Donovan Mitchell's making more. But if you just look at their jazz's contracts from a jazz point of view, they pay Rudy Gobert more. One of the things that's interesting to me about Donovan Mitchell as a in his life as a Salt Laker is that he is one of the, I think, five or six committee members for the NBA's Social Justice Coalition. And I mean... On that coalition with cities like Dallas and Minneapolis, I mean, what does that say something about Salt Lake? Like, we're just a little, little old Salt Lake. I think that says something about Donovan Mitchell. Like, mm. I, I think it basically says, like, Donovan really wants to make a statement about, like, uh, uh, and wants to change his community and change, you know, I think also the America uh, in, in terms of the, some of these social justice issues, right? Like, he's been really outspoken about that, you know, uh, Utah Senate President uh, Stuart Adams kind of came at him a few yeah. months ago, right? Like about uh, critical race theory and whether or not that should be taught in schools. Uh, and, and frankly, like Donovan's like, hey, let's just teach history here right. um, is is a pretty reasonable point of view. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I think, yeah, he's been really outspoken on that. And, you know, I got the chance to talk to him one on one for like a, a 20 minute interview. Uh, I don't know, three or four months ago. Um, and kind of asked him about that stuff and, and, and in particular kind of what his reaction was and kind of how, to what degree does he want to get involved in Utah politics? Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. I don't know that he wants to be directly involved in, in, in the politics. You know, I think he wants to have some conversations with leaders, but doesn't want to be seen as politicking, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And also I do think that pushback that he's getting from Utah politicians and Utah leaders and, and honestly just Utah fans is one of the things that's maybe like somewhat alienating him with Utah and maybe playing more of his career in Utah. Oh, that's interesting. Like, I mean, it's got to be frustrating, but it's it's also so important that he's here and that he's right. Yeah. And that's exactly so, you know, from a Utah perspective, y you love that you have someone like Donovan who's so that can be outspoken, that is beloved, that like can say, hey, this is important to who I am is, you know, learning the history of of racism in America and learning, you know, uh, what uh, uh, even, you know, Donovan has to deal with today. Right. Um, and then you also understand someone, you know, wanting to 
be in a more welcoming environment in, in some ways, right? Well, and there is a history of racism, like even just on the jazz, right? Like pretty famously. That's why we have jazz fans against racism is like one of our, um, yeah. You know, I think Donovan is tired of speaking up, but kind of having to respond to some of those things too. Um, when, when jazz fans do cross the line. Now I'll say like, I have heard, you know, I, as part of this job, I travel to all these different arenas for jazz games in, in other places. And I have heard like some pretty racist stuff said by other fans too. I don't think it's like a Utah problem, it, it, you know, in, uh, in totality, but like, I do think that, you know, there's obviously a perception there and there is a reality there and Donovan has to answer for it in a way that like kind of no other star in the NBA really has to answer for it. Yeah. Although like one of the reasons I think that like it's hard not to be following the NBA, even just a little, whether or not you're a basketball fan, like for me personally, is just like, oh, my God, like this is where so many of the conversations about our about our culture about our society are happening like this has become the arena for political social economic conversations and that makes it an exciting sort of platform or like ecosystem for even like non-basketball enthusiasts totally and and honestly that's one of the parts about my job that i love is that it is kind of an entrance into some of those those conversations and those topics like it, it is more varied than you think than just like covering basketball X's and O's. Um, and I'll also say like, there's also a huge portion of like jazz fans that hate that, right? But that just want the basketball to be an escape from the political and social and economic realities of our country and our, our future, right? And uh, like, you know, I, I think that's also such a tricky balance for someone in my shoes, for example, to um, to kind of navigate. So yeah. Um, but you're right, like it is totally a, a, a conversation centerpiece for sure. Salt Lake City, what if this is the year you host Easter dinner or brunch? Harmon's makes big meals easy to prepare with delicious holiday specialties made from scratch. Just heat and serve, baby. Lay a pre-cooked honey ham on the table and absorb the compliments from your family or friends. They don't need to know you napped instead of staring down the oven. And if you're not the host but need something to bring, here are just a few of my favorite spring ideas. First of all, Harmon's fragrant Easter lilies will impress anybody's mom or delight a neighbor. Now there's no need to even heat up a pre-made side like deviled eggs or fresh cut pineapple, but bonus points if you transfer them into your own dish. And as listeners of this show well know, I will lose my mind if you show up to my house with Harmon's Hot Cross Buns. I invite you to make some new Easter traditions with Harmon's. I want to touch on Royal Salt Lake only briefly, really, to talk a little bit more about Ryan Smith, because I think, like, Royal is our soccer team. They're off to a great season, right? Yeah. And Ryan Smith recently became a part owner there. He's now the majority owner at the Jazz. Like, there's a lot going on in Salt Lake sports related to Ryan Smith. Like, what are we learning about him as an owner, as a manager? I am a big RSL fan. Like, I actually ran into Ryan Smith uh, uh, at the game <laughs> this weekend. I saw photo. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny, like, right after, like, I trashed the jerseys in, in a yeah. column. And he was like, so it's like he pointed to his kids RSL jersey. He was like, hey, I need you like those jerseys. I was like, OK, here we go. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah. 
But it, honestly, it was a pretty good conversation that we had. We talked for like five minutes about, you know, about the jerseys, about kind of the process and so on and so forth. But yeah, um, yeah, I think we're learning, you know, a little bit about Ryan's management style, a little bit about what makes Ryan tick. Um, you know, I, I think uh, we're learning about some of his faults, quite frankly. You know, like I, I think for someone who owns Qualtrics, a market research company, they probably should have seen the reaction to the jerseys come sooner than they did, right? Mm -hmm. Like they that's probably should have been in their wheelhouse and, and wasn't. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think, you know, I, I think there's some really strong stuff about Ryan Smith. I mean, the team spent more money on players' salaries than it, they ever did under Miller ownership. Um, and that's true of RSL with Deloitte Hansen as well. Like clearly new ownership is spending more money on players than, than they ever have. Um, I think there's uh, kind of a pride in Utah and, and kind of an outspokenness in the way that like Larry and Gail Miller, uh, you know, Larry Miller wanted to be outspoken on issues uh, on one side of things, I think. Uh, Gail has been kind of very... Uh, not apolitical, you know, she's very much behind like the count my vote, count my vote kind of stuff. Uh, or what, what is it? Uh, just, you know, the, the primary process in Utah. Oh yeah. Um, mm -hmm. but she isn't like, I don't know that she was super excited to, to be, to have her franchise be the voice of black lives matter either. Um, Ryan is excited to be that and is excited to support like LGBTQ youth in, uh, in Utah through Encircle and all these other different charities. Like he's working with Tim Cook, Apple's Tim Cook, in order to like uh, kind of make some of that stuff happen. And so like that is a very different approach to ownership than we've had in, in Utah before, than which were pretty conservative, uh, older, you know, white male. And, you know, obviously right. Ryan's a white guy too, but, you know, it is just kind of a generation gap, I think, in terms of how the, they're approaching the ownership of the these teams. Yeah. Well, and his energy, like just from like photo shoots with him and like things you see about, like it is very tech. Yeah, it's tech <laughs> like, bro, for that, sure. It is like we're skateboarding at the office. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, totally. Like, you know, I think Ryan Smith's model a little bit as like NBA owner is Mark Cuban. And mm. I mean, being mm. super there, super you know, uh, trying to be at the forefront of everything, trying to put all of his efforts into, you know, this new thing that he, I, I don't want to call it a toy, but like that, uh, this very important thing, you know, I think Mark Cuban, uh, the Dallas Mavericks are very important to Mark Cuban. And I think the Jazz and to a lesser extent, frankly, RSL are really important to Ryan. And like, so a lot of like time and effort and energy spent in those circles. And, and you know, I think you can kind of, have a conversation on whether or not it's always the best thing to have an owner be super heavily involved. Um, I think in general, like you get more resources that way, but you also have someone who's maybe not an expert in making those decisions, making some decisions, right? Like, um, so anyway, it's a total tech bro vibes though. Like that is, that is what Ryan is. There's no doubt about it. And like, I'll say kind of in his dealings with the media, um, that comes out too. like just kind of expects, you know, I think in like tech company coverage, there's kind of an expectation of positive uh, spin and like, yeah, uh, you know, uh, we just raised a new round of $300 million in Series C right. funding or, you know, whatever, like, or, hey, this product is coming out and it's going to be amazing. Um, I think he's unused to some of the criticism that he's gotten in this. And it's it's interesting to see him kind of navigate that that part of it too yeah he's like what do you mean it's great everything's what do you mean <laughs> everything's great 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I, you know, he expects media members to be jazz fans. And, you know, I think some are and, and some aren't. And, you know, I think, but certainly our job is to cover the team objectively. And um, that's, you know, sometimes it odds. Yeah. I mean, I will tell you, I bought one of the purple, the purple jazz like sweaters as part of the rebrand. It's like a plain purple, I would call it almost millennial purple sweater. And then it just has a note and it says the jazz. And, and like that sweater doesn't say a whole lot, but it definitely says the jazz. <laughs> right. And and like I, I like the purple because you do have like these ties to 40 years of jazz history and the mountains and everything else. Like, I just think that the the yellow especially is just so. Again, garish, it's so bright, it's it, it is it's just screaming like Someone posted a picture of a Billie Eilish outfit that ha- uses that same cover, a color. And it's like, sure, like Billie Eilish, fashionable human being that makes awesome music. And yet also probably not like what most jazz fans want to look like. I mean, I do feel like if there's one thing we've learned in the past decade, it's that what Billie Eilish looks good in is not necessarily what we all look good in. Yes. See, yeah, that's a great way to put see it. See baggy <laughs> pants and low slung jeans and green hair. Um, but yeah. Okay. The last thing that is big news this week, I think in sports is it's the 50th anniversary of title nine. It's exciting. It is exciting. And like, I've been kind of reading all these stats about, um, just kind of how the landscape of women's sports has changed and like what's expected of young, like high school or college women, frankly, like, and like, so one in 27, I believe it was, um, women were part, were you know, did some sort of athletic sport pre title nine. And now it's one and two, like, yeah, just, you know, the, what is possible and what has, um, what is, what has been kind of not, I don't know if expected is the right word, but like, what is okay to do, what is acceptable to do and what is like, people can follow their dreams in the same ways that, that men can. And it's very cool. I don't know. I, it is like a foundationally changing moment and a foundationally changing uh, piece of legislation that that um, opened up a lot for for so many. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm seeing the U.S. women's national team on Tuesday night. They're playing Columbia at Rio Tinto and I'm going to be sitting in the audience like pay parody. <laughs> like, totally. like, holy shit. <laughs> right. And it's, you know, it, it, obviously Title IX didn't solve everything. Right. It took, you know, until 2022 for the women's national team, a far more successful body at soccer than the U.S. men's national team to get Correct. that equal pay. Yeah. But like some things are sliding back hill, at least like we are there. There is that and there is some progress. Some right. places. Well, and I mean, you, of course, can't celebrate a milestone without looking ahead. Like, what are the next 50 years? And I think the biggest one is probably, OK, trans women playing in sports like that's that's the that's the battle that's ahead. Right. Yeah, totally. And, and especially from a legislative point of view. But I also would say, like, I think there are, you know, like there are sports where we can catch up uh, where, you know, I think uh, soccer has been pretty, you know, good at pushing it forward. Tennis has always kind of been the model here for, like, how do you build a successful, like, pro league where women are making millions and millions and millions uh, of just like the men do. Um, golf is kind of good at that as well, but then, yeah, how do we get the WNBA there? How do we get, uh, you know, softball or, or women's baseball or women's football or women's hockey, you know, like Mm -hmm. there are so many of these other kind of smaller leagues that we can also kind of support 
I'm really excited for the Utah Royals to come back. Like I was a Utah Royals season ticket holder and like going to those games was so much fun. So like, um, they, Ryan Smith has said that they're coming back in either 2023 or 2024. So oh, that's good. Um, you know, I like just kind of continuing to make progress in those spaces too. Yeah. Andy, thank you so much for your time today. It's been just a blast chatting with you. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Our lead producer is Nick Steffens. Our producer is Diane Magipinto. And our host is me, Ali Vallarta. Our show music is by the talented local band, Mitochondria. Thank you to our special guest newsletter contributor, Scotty Hill. She's been sharing a glimpse of Salt Lake's art world with us every day in the CityCast Salt Lake newsletter. You can subscribe to that at saltlake.citycast.fm. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around this city. Bye. Have a great weekend.